Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today, and I ask, Father, please, that you will preach the message. I pray that you carry me. I pray that you will help each one to receive the importance of thanksgiving, the impact of thanksgiving, the, uh, the character of thanksgiving that brings you honor and glory. And I pray that you will just bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of today's message is Fruits of Promise. If you've heard me say it before or say it again, this is one of my favorite times of year. I love the changing of the colors. We have a little bit here in Kalinga. I love the changing of color of the leaves. I love the change of, of the temperature. I love it when it's 68 to 72. That's my, my best temperature zone for me. I just, I, I love that crispness of the year. We just are blessed by that. When I moved here from Florida, I was so excited that we had seasons. Because in Florida, we have summer and winter, and that's it. <laughs> and so well, there is nothing else. So I was excited about that. And of course, we're not like back east where the, the changing of the colors is, is sooner than what California gets. But nonetheless, it is a beautiful time of year. But the best part of fall, aside from the, you know, the season changing, is Thanksgiving. And the reason why I say that is because it's, it is one of the, the most important of holidays. You say, well, Christmas is really important. Yes, it is. But I had a pastor once say he loves Thanksgiving even more so because it's not so commercialized. And it's a, it's a matter of bringing your family and bringing your hearts to focus on giving thanks to God. And we can sometimes take that in a very lighthearted, traditional manner. But hopefully today we understand that the impact and the importance of having a thankful heart is important to God and it affects our walk with him. And so uh, we have an opportunity to give God thanksgiving every day, but especially as a family during the holiday this year. The world that we live in today wants to forget. Have you noticed that? The world that we live in today wants to forget the national holiday of Thanksgiving. Have you noticed that at all? Where it used to be uh, uh, Halloween started coming in in what? October, <laughs> and then and then ushering out uh, and the but then Thanksgiving would come and there'd be a focus on that and then Christmas. Now it's like two months of Halloween and and two months of Christmas and Thanksgiving is this little bleep of a week in the middle, because it's not the high point of our culture, is it? Our culture is not excited about giving thanks to God, and we as Christians ought to be that type of people that are giving thanks to God. When we give thanks to God, it truly, truly does not only lift our hearts, but it causes our hearts to be closer to God because we're appreciating Him and, and His blessings on our lives, and it glorifies Him. So in one way, Thanksgiving should be one of the most important holidays as an earmark of Christianity. Now, I'm not, I'm not undermining Christmas, but what I am saying is that for Christians and our lifestyle and our culture, because the Christian culture is different from the world, is it not? We're to be in the world, but not a part of it. We're to have the marks of, and the identity of Christ and who he is in our life and our living for him should be evident. And one of those marks, especially during this time, is to have a heart that is thankful. And of course, that should carry around year round to be thankful to God for things. And, and not, not just for the things, obviously, that are easy to be thankful for. It's always easy to be thankful for the blessings that lift us up. 
but to be thankful in all things, Scripture says. Give thanks in all things. That means the rough times. It means the difficult times. It means the, the, um, the times where we just don't understand or don't agree or, or where our heart is broken. We can still give God thanks because God is always working on our behalf for our good, for his glory. Even if we don't see it, even if we don't have an understanding as to why it's happening that way, we are to give thanks. If anything, give thanks that through the most difficult times, our Father is with us, never leaves us, never forsakes us, and we can rely on him to carry us through, to give us the grace, and give us the hope, and give us everything that we need to get through whatever struggle and challenge lies in front of us. And we praise God for that. So there's always something for us to give thanks to God for. It's a matter of looking for it. And I like what Olin said, if we allow our hearts to get crusty, then we don't see the things that we're thankful for as easily. But we need to keep our hearts tender for Jesus because like I said in the beginning of the message, we are children at heart. We are children of God and he is our father. And so we are to, to give him thanks. We lay aside this time of year and giving God thanks for his son because why? He provided us salvation. We should always be praising him for that. And that salvation is, uh, our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, never to be taken out. But it's also, Scripture talks about working out our salvation, not eternal salvation. It's talking about working out our salvation in that our character and our walk is yielding to God. So when we see the struggles and we rely on God and God saves us from the challenge of going the wrong direction and we find ourselves walking more and more in step with him and in his spirit. So we can thank God for the relationship that we have with him. It's a time to thank him for the miracle of Jesus' Jesus's birth and resurrection. Always praising God for that. It's a time to thank him for the plentiful blessings that abound in our lives now and for the many more he's promised us. You know, I'm, um, I, I guess I'm selfish at heart because I love the ring of and the many more <laughs> blessings that are in store. And you know what? God loves to, to give the many more blessings. And a lot of times if our heart isn't right with God or we're not at a place of maturity in God to where we can, can receive the blessings that God wants to give us. And God is preparing us and, and changing us and molding us to be more and more as he wants us to be in him so that we can receive the blessings that he has for us to receive. So looking for those many blessings that are yet to come um, is, uh, is a joyful thing, isn't it? We can thank God that you've... So many, what are some of the things? Heaven, <laughs> uh, uh, new bodies, uh, uh, the wonder of the new heavens and the new earth and eternity forward, uh, seeing Jesus for the very first time. Uh, I mean, those are just, just quick little things that we can pick off real fast. But Jesus said, the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. What God the Father has for the Son, he has for you and I as believers in him. What honor he gives the Son, he's going to give to you and I. Can't imagine what that entails. 
The scripture even says that the things that I have in store for you are not to be compared to the things, wait, the strugglings, I got it backwards, the struggles that you have in this world, paraphrasing, is not to be compared to the things that God has in store for those who love him. God has so many blessings, so many things in store for us there that we're not even there to experience it yet, obviously. But the blessings that he's given us now, we can, we can assess that as we look at it and we ask God to give us a thankful heart. But, and if, if we ask God for that, God will open our eyes to the many things that we can be thankful for. But the things that God has in store, the things yet to come, this side of heaven that God has for us to bless us with, and eternity requires faith. And faith is based on what? It's based on Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? So if, if we already have it in hand, it doesn't it take faith to have it, does it? But if it's not in hand yet, then and we believe it, then that's an act of faith. Our faith is based on things we haven't seen, otherwise it isn't faith. God's promises should generate faithful and thankful hearts. Faithful and thankful hearts. Modern day humans aren't the only ones to forget God's promises. And forgetting God's promises can lead to a lack of thankfulness. So let's look at God's promises to Israel in Exodus chapter 3 verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. God promised the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay? And this poetic description of Israel's promised land emphasized the fertility of the soil and the bounty that awaited God's chosen people. The reference to milk suggests that livestock could find pasture there. And the mention of honey suggests the vast farmland available. The bees and plenty of plants had plenty of plants to draw nectar from, right? And make honey. And after all, the Israelites were shepherds. They appreciated fertile farmland. And that was promised to them. And it would be a blessing to them in their life. When the time came, the Israelites finally arrived at the edge of the promised land and sent in 12 spies to survey the land and inhabitants. So let's read a little bit about that. Numbers 13, verses 21 through 27. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Sheshai, and Tamai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eskel, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. Now stop. <laughs> How many clusters of grapes have you seen that require two men to carry it on a pole? <laughs> Is that supersized or what? Is that fruitfulness? Wow. Can't imagine that. I can, but wow. They also, they also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskel because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. 
And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So the spies brought back proof of God's promise, a supersized grape cluster. Two of them carried it on a pole, obviously between them. I wonder what our food is going to be like in the millennial reign or in eternity forward. If, if one cluster of grapes was carried on a pole by two men, how big was, it, how big was each grape? <laughs> or was it just massive? I, my mind just goes all over the place. I'm sorry. I, and some of you were following me, weren't you? <laughs> some of you were like, oh, brother. So they reported that the land was exactly as God had promised. It's important for us to remember what God tells us is true. God's promises are secure and true and absolute. And they are not, um, he will not renege on that. Okay. It truly flows with milk and honey, it says in verse 27. But here's the sad thing. What was the response to the fruit of promise? God's evidence brought back this massive cluster of grapes and other things. And so what was, what was the reaction? Numbers 13, 28 through 33. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So this is intimidating to Israel. Okay? Then Caleb, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. God bless Caleb. You know, all these inhabitants and fortified cities and these giants in the land. And Caleb's saying, Let's go! Right? But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Who are they forgetting? God. All things are possible with God, for with God nothing is impossible. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers, and, and we were like grasshoppers in our sight. And so we were in their sight. Whew. Yeah. As a human being, that would be terrifying in proportion, in ratio. I feel like a grasshopper before these giants, and we're supposed to defeat them. No, we're not. God's going to defeat them. God's going to go on before us. God's going to go take care of it. God's going to pave the way. When God leads us, he paves the way. He takes care of the circumstance. But what was lacking here was their faith in God their confidence in God, and what's mind-boggling is what they'd already been through. They were delivered out of Egypt, walked through the Red Sea, provided for in the wilderness. I mean, look at, look at what God had been doing already. And they begin to doubt God. We need to remember what God does for us in times of challenge. 
Now, challenge doesn't have to be the difficult times that come our way. Challenge can be the step of faith that God requires us to take in order to embrace the blessings that he wants to give us. You follow that? If we can say, oh, wait, no, 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 no. There's too much against me to do what you say here, Lord. We can find ourselves coming into that same situation. We can analyze and excuse ourselves away from the will of God for our lives. And then we rob ourselves of the blessing that God wants to give us. There were two against ten. Positivity, positivity versus negativity. Praise versus nevertheless. Look, we can, we can tear it down, break it down, and convince ourselves that doing what God leads us to do is not wise, not smart, not practical, not, not possible. Fill in the blank. But when God calls us, when God wants to use us, when God wants us to step out in faith, that's where we grow. And when we do, we're relying on him and his power, and we're going to receive the blessings from God for being dependent on him, faithful to him, trusting him, and watching him do his work. How many of us love seeing, this is a rhetorical question, love seeing God's hand work in our lives? When we've noticed circumstances, we know that was a God thing. We can see what God did. These, or even in our church, that was a God thing. When we see these things, it's wonderful, but we're not going to see them unless we're willing to follow. And we have to be committed to that. Like the Israelites, we sometimes go from experiencing the fruits of promise to the nevertheless frame of mind. God's promising all this fruit if you step forward in faith, but we convince ourselves otherwise, nevertheless, I can't. And we're robbed. They held in their hands and beheld with their eyes a miraculous fruit of promise and chose to turn their eyes and focus them on the giants who were still smaller than the mighty God who miraculously freed them from Egypt. You see the shift, the paradigm shift? Where's your focus? God is far bigger than the challenge. And God is fully capable to accomplish what he leads us to do. I'll always remember, and you need to always remember, God will never, ever lead us to do anything that he has not already equipped us to do. He's not, gonna, he's not a bad father. <laughs> he's our heavenly, holy father. And so when he says, I've got something for you to do, he's going to equip us with all that we need to do it. But we have to be willing to take the step of faith to take the equipment and do it. Because it takes faith sometimes to follow in the steps that God leads us to. In fact, if we're following God, it's a daily step of faith. The fruits of promise should have been gratefully accepted and encouraged them on into taking the promised land. They should have said everything that God promised was reported so. They looked at the odds against them and they said, uh-uh, not going there, and they didn't. <laughs> Except for two of them except for two of them. What that decision to not be thankful for the fruits of promise, the Israelites, except for the two, never made it into the promised land to enjoy God's bounty. When God tells us something and promises us something and we are called to pursue that, we trust him with it. 
and we know the blessings will be there. But the danger also is if we don't trust him with it and we don't follow what God's leading us to do, then we're at risk of losing the blessing permanently. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the things that God wants to do in our lives. We put the door shut. We, we put the stopper. And God says, fine, you're not going to trust me? I'm not going to give you the blessings that I really want to pour out on you. And so we need to be a people that are saying, my father loves me, my father's holy, my father, my father is capable, and he'll, he'll provide everything I need to be faithful. All I have to do is follow. Sounds simple. It's not always simple, but it sounds simple. God gives us fruits of promise, too, to bless and encourage us. Some of these fruit come with listening to the Holy Spirit and walking in his spirit. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. How do, we, how do we experience the spirit of love, God's love? How do we experience joy from God? How do we experience true peace that comes from God's throne in heaven and not from this world? How do we experience the grace to be long-suffering through difficult times? How do we, how do we uh, practice being kind when it's not natural to be kind? How do, we, how do we know and practice goodness when our flesh doesn't want to? How do we practice faithfulness when it's against our nature? It's because our hearts are saying, God, I want to follow you. God, I'm listening to you. God, I love you. God, you're my father. God, you're the most important person to me. You're the one that I, I live for. You're the one that I am focused on. You're the one that I want to be in the center of your will, following you, being close to you, and having that relationship with you that is just so personal, so rich, so deep, and so uplifting that I live a new life in Christ in this world that's different from the world. God wants that for each of us. But it takes that faith to trust in his promise that if we rely on him, then he will enable us to love as he loves and have joy as he has, have peace that comes from him and all these other fruits of the spirit and gentleness and self-control. This comes from God. Against such, there's no law. All these things are good. There are some people, you remember growing up, I don't know if you're one of these kids, you're a teacher's pet, you're goody two-shoes, you're kind of put down because you're the, you're the students that's always doing right and all that type of stuff. There were, there were students like that, and some of you teachers may recognize that, but who cares what they call you, right? So long as we're doing what God wants us to do. And that's important for us as adults, as Christians, when we experience fruits like God's joy and peace in our lives, we're receiving the first fruits of our promised life in heaven with God. Get that connection? When we experience fruits like God's joy, God's joy that doesn't come from the world, and peace that doesn't come from the world in our lives, we are receiving the first fruits of our promised life in heaven with God. We're going to have joy and peace in heaven forever. But when we experience joy and peace that comes from God in heaven now while we're here on earth, that's the first fruits of the promises that are still laid up for us. Does that make sense? 
That's become my motto in Sunday school. Does that make sense? <laughs> Is our running, our running statement. And so we, in, in essence, are, are in touch with heaven, if you want to look at it that way. We're connected with our, our, our citizenship in heaven, our character in Christ. The, the promises, he said, I'm giving this to you now, and this is, a, this is a, a taste of what heaven is going to be like. But heaven's far more than what we can imagine. Romans 8.23, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. Do you find yourself thinking about what it's going to be like when we do have our new bodies? Just back up. When we die or the rapture comes, do we think about that and what it's going to be like with the new life that God has for us? I tend to think that, that as we follow Christ in his spirit, that, that intentionally or unintentionally, that seems to be in the back of our mind. One day, Jesus is coming back. One day, I'm going to heaven. One day I will be made new. And that's part of the hope that we're waiting for. Why? Because when that's brought to completion, everything that is crusty <laughs> is gone. Anything that interferes between our relationship with God will no longer be there. As we wait for our new eternal bodies and heavenly life, we need to, rec we need to recognize God's spiritual fruits of promise in our lives and give thanks to him. So if we're experiencing God, experiencing him, the fruit of the spirit, like I've already discussed as just one example, we're experiencing a relationship that the world doesn't know and that is only found in him. And we're to be thankful for what we have in our relationship with God. Amen? Amen. And one of the best promises God gave all of mankind is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are already a new creation when we receive Christ. The instant we receive Christ, we are a new creation in him. But as we follow Christ and yield our lives to him and grow more in love with him, the things that, that hide the new person that we are in Christ become we, we shed off the layers that hide the new person that we are in Christ. Because why? We're dying to those things. We're no longer valuing those things that hinder our walk with God. We're, we're rather loving more and more the values of Jesus and our relationship with him. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we are all given a new life in him, and we should be thankful for the fruits of that life as we grow in him. Are we thankful for the relationship that we have with God? Amen. Are we thankful for how we identify how he works in our life? Amen. Are we thankful for the hope and the promises that he gives us now, this side of heaven, and for eternity? Amen. And we can go on and on and on because we know him. We are in him, and he is in us through faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. But we can't experience the fruits of God's promises without first making that important choice to believe that Christ came and died for our sins and rose from the grave. I want to assume that everybody in here knows Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And if you were to die today, do you know that you'd go to heaven? You've heard the story before from me. 
used to go door knocking years back and just knock on doors and I'd ask the question. I used to go on military bases and I'd knock on doors and say, hey, if you were to die today, <laughs> go through the dorms. If you were to die today, do you know you go to heaven? And someone would go, you mean right now? <laughs> no, not right now. <laughs> not right now. I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> right? So, uh, so I got to. I'm sorry. Oh, shoot. I only got two minutes. I'll move on for you. Be thankful. So, so we can't experience the fruits of God's promises without first making that decision to receive Jesus as your Savior. When we repent of our sins or wrongdoings, those things that displease God, that don't match up with his holy standards. I mean, we're never going to match up to his holy standards 100% this side of heaven. But we are to press toward the high calling of Jesus Christ in our life. That's not only in the standard of living, that's in the calling that God puts on our lives. And we're to press toward that. Okay? And so we, we don't match up to his holy standards, but we're to pursue him and take Jesus into our hearts. When we do that, then we're beginning to live a new life. Right? A life in God's promised land that abounds with many more fruits, more than I've even begun to explain or could. Because I don't know everything, you know. Again, that scripture says, the things I have in store for you are far greater than the sufferings that you have now at this present time. He doesn't explain what, I, what he has in store for us, but you've got to know it's great. You've got to know it's great. And when we begin that new life in God's promised land, you get that tying into the message? When we experience that new life in the promised land, in other words, our new character in Christ, uh, living in ways that Christ would live, uh, having a relationship with God that continues to grow deeper and richer, that, that begins to um, uh, identify us and earmark us as God's children, right? And we begin to see that we are, God is <laughs> sanctifying. He's separating us. He's He's not from each other, but he's separating us from the world. He's setting us apart for him in this world that we live in. The closer we get to him, the more we, we will see that distinction and that identity in Christ. And that's part of that new life that we can only have through Jesus Christ as our Savior. So if you haven't received Christ, I want to encourage you to do that. And this week I want to encourage you to start opening your eyes and becoming aware of the fruits of promise that God has blessed you with and give him praise for them. If we ask God, God, just open up my eyes a little more to see the things that I need to be thankful for. You ever feel struggle? It's almost a spiritual warfare, isn't it? Where you feel sometimes, at least I do, okay, what are you thankful for? Okay, then I go through all the basics that are obvious. But then they'll want to look for something that's even deeper. You ever find that sometimes it's kind of hard to dig for the thankfulness? And, and so we can ask God to open our eyes to that thankfulness. Sometimes the thankfulness just happens. It's just all of a sudden you're walking through the day and you're talking to the Lord and you're just saying, thank you, Lord, or I love you, Lord, or you're singing to him or whatever. And those are things to be thankful for. Praise God for that. But because of the culture we live in today, as I mentioned in the beginning, is, a removing, is, is removing thankfulness for God from our culture and society. Following what I'm saying? 
Our culture doesn't focus on giving thanks to God during the Thanksgiving holiday. It focuses on a, on a turkey. And, so, and some people don't even like turkey. I love turkey. I love anything. But, but the focus on, is on that and all the food. And Satan draws us away from wanting to be thankful to God. So ask God to open up your heart to, to deeper ways to appreciate him and, and, and to give him thanks. And uh, our Christian lifestyle is a culture of its own. Do we understand that? We're not part of this world. We're in the world, but not to be a part of it. Our Christian lifestyle is a culture of its own. And as a result, it should clearly include a culture of thanksgiving daily. And during our fading national holiday. You get that? And during our fading national holiday. May we as Christians take up the banner of thankfulness and praise God. Okay, I'm going to tell you my joke anyways. So this guy on base... And we're closing prayer, but I'm going to tell you, this guy on base, we're walking into the, um, walk, got past the, the guard check, walking base, there's a main road here, there's a canal over here, there's a little strip of grass right here, there's a guy walking down the grass this way, and me and my buddy are coming this way, and we're door knocking to share the gospel of Christ in the dorms on base, we're walking this way, this guy comes up and he's only about this high. And so he's this high, and so he, the, the main road is here, the canal's here, he's standing here looking at us, we're here, and I say, if you were to die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven? He looks at the highway, and he, not the highway, he looks at the main road, he looks at the canal, and he looks up, and he says, you mean now? <laughs> That's not even the best part. The best part was he received Jesus as a savior. <laughs> Praise God for that. <laughs> Praise God for, for that. See, that didn't take too long. Thanks for letting me indulge. Thanks for indulging me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Well, I want to thank you for each one here today. I want to thank you for the blessings. Father, each face, from the newest face in this room to, to every face that we're familiar with, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're, it's just a blessing to be together in your house. It's a blessing just to see each other when we, when we just... Uh, I miss when we don't see each other, and I love when we do see each other. And I love that we are part of the body of Christ. And I love that we are family in Jesus. And I love the fact that, that you have brought us together in you. And I love the fact that you're working in our lives and, and shaping us and molding us to be the people that you want us to be. That we might find a greater fulfillment and completeness in you. That we might be the people you called us to be that we might know the fullness of you and your joy and your love and relationship and how you interact with us and how you, that you teach us to interact with others. Father, the richness of who you are cannot be described adequately. The love that we have for you cannot be described adequately. But we are so thankful that you, Lord Jesus, agreed with the Father and, and came and voluntarily laid down your life for us to take away our sin, all of our sin, past,
present and future and have provided a way of salvation for us to and all people to come to have uh, eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. That, that marvelous gift of salvation, but not just because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life never to be taken out, but because we have a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Nothing richer, nothing greater than that. And I thank you for that. We cannot say thank you enough for these things and so much more and what you have in store for us. And so I pray, Father, that you would cause our hearts and our lips to praise you and give you thanks, not just today or this Thanksgiving or this week, but may it become a natural part of our character in you to praise you and to give you thanks. Open our eyes. Let us see more and more and more the things that you do that causes our hearts to praise you and to thank you. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen.